Hello, this is Nikdha from Newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Monday, the 4th of January. India logged over 16,000 cases of COVID-19 and 214 related deaths in the last 24 hours. The country's tally has now gone beyond 1 crore 3 lakhs. The number of people who have recovered from the disease, however, surged above 99 lakhs, pushing the national recovery rate to 96.19%. The COVID-19 active case load remained below 3 lakh for the 14th consecutive day. Yesterday, the Drugs Controller General of India had given the green light to Oxford's COVID-19 vaccine Covishield and Bharat Biotech's Covaxin for restricted emergency use. The move to approve Covaxin, however, has received widespread criticism since the data for phase 3 trials of the vaccine are not available. Bharat Biotech only has data from studies on animals and phase 2 data on 800 volunteers. Despite the lack of efficacy data from phase 3 trials, Health Minister Harshwardhan said that Covaxin is quote-unquote likely to have similar protective efficacy reported for other vaccines. He also criticised the Congress and other opposition leaders over their comments on Bharat Biotech's Covaxin, saying that it was disgraceful for anyone to politicise such a critical issue. Prime Minister Narendra Modi too hailed the achievements of the scientists in the fight against the pandemic and said, and I quote, We're on the threshold of starting the largest vaccination programme in the world. The entire country is indebted to all the scientists and technicians. The Indian scientists have been very successful in coming up with two Made in India COVID-19 vaccines. The country is very proud of its scientists. Unquote. Meanwhile, the Serum Institute of India chief Adar Punawala said that the Oxford vaccine Covishield will be commercially available for 1,000 rupees per dose if the government allows its sale in retail. Punawala, in the interview with NDTV, said, and I quote, We'll have to go by there, that is the government's guidance and wisdom, because they have said that we cannot export the vaccine or give it to the private market. These have been our discussions at the moment, and I respect that because they want to give it to vulnerable people. Unquote. Now that the vaccination dry runs are over and two vaccine candidates have been approved, the head of the National Expert Group on Vaccine Administration has said that India will begin its mass vaccination program in the near future. According to the government's COVID-19 vaccines operational guidelines, around 30 crore of the population will be vaccinated on priority in the first phase. This includes healthcare and frontline workers, as well as people with comorbidities and those aged 50 years and above. The health minister, Dr. Harshwardhan, said that the government plans to complete this phase by August 2021. In a move that has drawn criticism, the Tamil Nadu government on Monday allowed theatres in the state to open with 100% capacity. The state took the decision after prominent actors, including Vijay, requested that cinema halls be allowed to function at full capacity because new movies will be released during and after Pongal celebrations. Actor Vijay had personally met the Chief Minister last week to request for a relaxation in the existing restrictions. The seventh round of talks between the protesting farmer unions and the centre to break the deadlock is currently underway at Delhi's Vigyan Bhavan. Agriculture Minister Narendra Singh Tomar, Railways Commerce and Food Minister Piyush Goyal and Minister of State for Commerce Som Prakash, who is an MP from Punjab, are holding talks with the representatives of 40 farmer unions. According to latest reports, the union ministers, along with government officials and farmer representatives, observed a two-minute silence for farmers who died during the protest. So far, at least 50 farmers have died since the protests began in the last week of November. Agriculture Minister Narendra Singh Tomar said that he is hopeful for a positive solution from the meeting today. Today's talks will mainly involve two key issues, 
the scrapping of the three farm laws and giving legal status to the minimum support price guarantee. Yesterday, Narendra Singh Tomar had met Defence Minister Rajnath Singh and discussed the government's strategy to resolve the current crisis at the earliest. Tomar reportedly discussed with Singh all possible options to find a middle path to resolve the crisis. During the last round of talks held last week, both the sides had reached a consensus on two issues – the withdrawal of the rise in power tariff along with penalties for stubble burning. Before the meeting, farmer leaders reiterated their demand. Jagir Singh Dalewal, a Bharat Kisan Union member, said, and I quote, Our demands remain the same. The farm laws must be repealed. The two amendments need to be rolled back and the government must listen. Our agitation will continue. Unquote. Earlier, former leaders had also warned that if today's talks end in another deadlock, they will resort to shutting down of malls and petrol pumps. Yesterday, the Haryana police had fired tear gas shells to stop a group of farmers, mostly from Rajasthan, from going to Delhi. Protesting farmers who have been camping at Delhi borders for the last 39 days, braving the extreme cold and even rains, have threatened to intensify their protest if their two major demands are not accepted by the government today. Ahead of the meeting today, Sukhwinder S. Sabra of Kisan Mazdoor Sangharsh Committee of Punjab also said, and I quote again, Our demands are the same as before. Repeal the three farm laws and guarantee MSP. If our demands are not met, then we will hold a tractor march on January 6th and also on January 26th. Unquote. Listeners, as we record this episode, Hindustan Times is reporting that the government has refused to repeal the three farm laws. Further details are awaited. You'll hear them in tomorrow's episode of Daily Dose. Why are farmers worried about MSP not being written into the new farm laws when it never had a legal backing in the first place? Aren't middlemen exploiting farmers? And if they are removed through the new laws, as the Narendra Modi government claims they will be, is that not good? Also, aren't private companies in a better position to offer a higher price for a farmer's produce than APMCs? So why are the protesting farmers so angry? These questions might appear simple, but their answers are complicated. After spending more than two weeks speaking to protesting farmers at the Singhu border, my colleague Nidhi Suresh tried to understand their anger, emotions and the nuances driving the demands of the farmers. Go to newslaundry.com and check out her explainer video that breaks down the answers to all these questions. The video report is titled, Explained, Why Farmers Don't Trust the Modi Government's Word on Farm Laws. And while you're on our website, I urge you to check out our podcasts, ground reports, videos, interviews, media critique, and much more. We would not be able to do all of this work if not for our subscribers who fund it. So, if you're not a subscriber already, now is the time to join the movement to keep news free and independent. Go to newslaundry.com and hit that subscribe button at the top right corner of the website. The lowest subscription plan starts at 300 rupees a month only. Last week on Daily Dose, while reporting on the farmer protests, we told you how as many as 1,500 mobile towers of Reliance Geo were vandalized in Punjab last month, allegedly by those protesting against the new farm laws. Power supply was snapped, cables of telecom towers were cut, causing damage to Geo's infrastructure in the state. This was supposedly done because a large section of the protesting farmers perceive India's big corporates, especially the likes of Adani and Ambani, as the major beneficiaries of the contentious farm laws. Punjab Chief Minister Captain Amrinder Singh had issued a stern warning against the acts. He had asked the police to act strictly in such cases and said that there was no place for anarchy in the state. 
Today, Reliance India Limited, through Reliance Geo Infocom, moved the Punjab and Haryana High Court seeking urgent government intervention to bring a complete stop to the illegal acts of vandalism by miscreants. While thanking authorities for their action against the perpetrators so far, the company sought punitive and deterrent action against miscreants and vested interests. In its statement, Reliance said, and I quote, These acts of violence have endangered the lives of thousands of its employees and caused damage and disruption to the vital communications infrastructure, sales and service outlets run by its subsidiaries in the two states. The miscreants indulging in vandalism have been instigated and aided by vested interests and our business rivals. Unquote. The company in its petition to the court also said that Reliance has no plans of entering the contract farming business, one of the provisions under the farm laws. It said, and I quote again, Reliance Industries Limited have not done any corporate or contract farming in the past and have absolutely no plans to enter this business. Unquote. The company added that Reliance and its subsidiaries have not bought any agricultural land in India for contract farming and did not intend to do so. Yesterday on Daily Dose, we told you how stand-up comedian Munawar Farooqi was arrested in Madhya Pradesh's Indore on Friday. Farooqi, along with five other comics, were booked for allegedly hurting religious sentiments by making derogatory remarks about Hindu deities and also for cracking jokes on Union Minister Amit Shah. However, the Indore police said yesterday that they had no video evidence to show that the comedian insulted Hindu deities during his performance at a cafe in the city. The arrest was made following a complaint from Iklavya Gaur, a member of an extremist right-wing group and also the son of Indore BJP MLA Malini Gaur. Gaur was quoted telling reporters that Farooqi is a serial offender and often cracks defamatory jokes on Hindu gods and goddesses. Town Inspector Kamlesh Sharma told the Indian Express and I quote, There is no evidence against him for insulting Hindu deities or Union Minister Amit Shah. Unquote. He said that the two videos submitted by the complainant are of another comedian with him allegedly cracking jokes on Lord Ganesh. The incident caused a storm on Twitter and many comedians spoke in support of Farooqi. A woman who claimed to be a part of the audience during the show took to Instagram and denied that any derogatory remarks were made by him. She wrote and I quote, As Manavar arrived on the stage, few people with political connections rushed to the stage, snatched the mic and began saying, Hamare religious sentiments hurt hue hain. Godra Khan par joke kiya. Hamare Devi Devta ka maza kudaya. Islam pe joke kyun nahi karta hai? Munawar politely clarified that he never had the intention to hurt anyone. He handled the situation very well and they backed off. Unquote. The four other arrested comedians were identified as Nalin Yadav, Prakhar Vyas, Edwin Antony and Priyam Vyas. They were booked under Sections 269, Unlawful or Negligent Act Likely to Spread the Infection of Any Disease Dangerous to Life, 295A, Deliberate and Malicious Acts Intended to Outrage Religious Feelings of Any Class by Insulting Its Religion or Religious Belief, and other related provisions of the Indian Penal Act. The Ghaziabad police has arrested three municipal officers over the collapse of a roof at a crematorium that left 24 people dead. The roof of a shelter at a cremation ground in Uttar Pradesh's Muradnagar had collapsed on Sunday. Most of the victims were relatives of a dead man who was being cremated at that time. Rescue workers and a National Disaster Response Force team sifted through the rubble for hours to ensure that more victims were not trapped there. Families of the victims blocked the Delhi Meerut Highway today demanding higher compensation and a government job for each grieving family. Uttar Pradesh Chief Minister Yogi Adityanath expressed grief over the loss of lives. He announced 2 lakh rupees as financial relief for the families of each person killed. 
The Chief Minister also directed Meerut's Divisional Commissioner and Additional Director General of Police to submit a report on the incident. The Superintendent of Police of the area said that Muradnagar Palika Executive Officer Niharika Singh, Junior Engineer Chandrapal and Supervisor Ashish have been arrested. Meanwhile, teams are also conducting raids at possible hideouts of contractor Ajay Tyagi, who is also an accused in the case. And now for some international updates. COVID-19 has infected over 85.2 million people around the world, out of which 1.84 million have died. The United Kingdom has become the first country to administer the Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine. National Health Services of England tweeted today that Brian Pinker, an 82-year-old dialysis patient, has become the first person to be given the vaccine. Britain is expected to begin a mass rollout of the Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine with 530,000 doses ready for use. The Health Secretary, Matt Hancock, said on Monday that 700 vaccination sites were open, with a figure expected to pass 1,000 by the end of this week. In a decision that raises concerns about privacy, Singapore has said that its police will be able to use data obtained by its coronavirus contact tracing technology for criminal investigations. The technology, called Trace Together, which is both a phone app and also works as a physical device, is being used by nearly 80% of the 5.7 million population. The German newspaper Bild has reported that the country's government and 16 federal states have agreed to extend the lockdown till January 31st to curb the spread of the pandemic. Under the current lockdown that has been in place since 16th of December, schools, most shops, restaurants and bars are closed. Chancellor Angela Merkel and the state premiers are scheduled to discuss the new measures on Tuesday. In the latest among his plethora of blunders, Donald Trump tried to pressure Georgia's Republican Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, to find him enough votes to overturn the presidential election. He also indirectly threatened him with the criminal offence. Trump, who has spent the last nine weeks making a bunch of false conspiracy claims about his loss to President-elect Joe Biden, told Georgia's top election official that he should recalculate the vote count so Trump could win the state's 16 electoral votes. In a recording of the call, which was obtained and published by the Washington Post, Trump can be heard saying, and I quote, I just want to find 11,780 votes, which is one more than we have, unquote. Trump, who will also be in charge of the Justice Department for the 17 days left in his administration, hinted that Raffensperger and Ryan Germany, the chief lawyer for the Secretary of State's office, could be prosecuted criminally if they did not do as told. Raffensperger tried to explain to Trump that he was relying on conspiracy theories and that Biden's victory in Georgia was fair. According to New York Times, Raffensperger's office had recorded the call, but he had instructed his staff members not to release it unless Trump misrepresented the conversation. Trump, post the phone call, took to Twitter to criticize the Secretary of State, saying, and I quote, I spoke to Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger yesterday about Fulton County and voter fraud in Georgia. He was unwilling or unable to answer questions such as ballots under table scam, ballot destruction, out-of-state voters, dead voters and more. He has no clue. Unquote. Raffensperger in response wrote and I quote, Respectfully, President Trump, what you're saying is not true. The truth will come out. Unquote. The call recording was put out in public just a few hours after this exchange. A court in London has ruled that WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange cannot be extradited to the United States to face charges of espionage and of hacking government computers. The judge blocked the request because of concerns over Assange's mental health. The 49-year-old is wanted over the publication of thousands of classified documents in 2010 and 2011. 
The United States claims that the leaks broke the law and endangered lives. Assange has fought the extradition and says that the case is politically motivated. The district judge of the London court outlined the evidence of his self-harm and suicidal thoughts and said, and I quote, the overall impression is of a depressed and sometimes despairing man fearful for his future, unquote. And now for some homegrown stuff from Newslaundry.com. In the latest episode of Newslaundry Hafta, the panel discussed how 2020 was a year of bigoted laws and how such laws hold us back from becoming a progressive society. Here is a short clip from their conversation. Anyway, I just think 2020 has been the law, year of completely bigoted laws. Hmm. And this is black This is black and white. I mean, there is especially even the rhetoric that has gone with it. But I, I think this year, the kind of rhetoric one has seen on news platforms, in political speeches, which are for mass consumption, and in the law and its wording, I don't think there's any grey anymore. And I think that is why 2020 was significant other than Corona. I think over the past few years, whatever our elderly people may be like, the young people really moving towards... I think young people have truly had freedom over the past 7-10 years in that way, in terms of living in together, falling in love, you know, premarital sex, or movies showing like young people mingling, kissing and stuff like that. So we were kind of, I think for the young Indian at least, we were moving towards a progressive direction, even if you have your parents, dadi, nana, whatever, saying ki nahi, ye sab nahi kar sakte. But this kind of takes you back completely. And the police, the state has the authority, which is scary. You know, you can fight moral policing. I mean, if I want to fight my parents, if I want to fight my neighbors, I still can. You know, it still takes a lot of courage, but with friend support or whatever, or, you know, there's still a way to coming around to fighting that. But how do you fight a police? How do you fight FIRs? I mean, on top of fighting your family, you now also have to fight a police that wants you in jail for, you know, falling in love with someone from the other faith. And that's really, I mean, it's just going back. To listen to the complete episode, head to our website, newslaundry.com. And before I wrap up, listeners, our new website has a spanking new podcast player that you can use to access all our podcast shows. News Laundry Hafta, Awful and Awesome, Reporters Without Orders and News Laundry Charcha. It includes a host of features like download, speed control, cue, the ability to skip to a topic within an episode and even start from where you had stopped the previous time. So go to our website on your phone or on your laptop and click on the mic icon at the top right of our homepage. That's all for today. Have a great day or a good night, depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Oh,